0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Two out of three fourth Sundays of Advent. The focus of our gospel is on Mary. Either we hear the story of the Annunciation followed by the Magnificat, or we hear the story of Mary going to see her cousin Elizabeth followed by the Song of Zechariah. This morning, however, because we are in year A and we are following the Gospel of Matthew as our primary source throughout the year, what we get instead is Matthew's version of the birth narrative. Now, how many of you picked up on the fact that you just heard the Christmas story? Because with Matthew, he is so short, sweet, and to the point that we don't even notice that he begins with the words the birth of Jesus took place in this way. And so we kind of miss that point. But for Matthew, when he tells the story of Jesus' birth, unlike Luke, who gives us the wonderful scene at the manger with the shepherds and the angels, isn't as concerned at this point about building a vision of what the kingdom of God is going to look like but much more focuses on who Jesus is and the name he is given. Because if you read through that gospel, you notice that at least three different times the name is emphasized. Jesus once, Jesus twice, Emmanuel is brought up again, which refers us back to the prophecy of Isaiah to Ahaz. That name is important because it tells us who Jesus is and what his purpose is. It is God incarnate. But even more than that, Emmanuel means God is with us. And so Matthew focuses on the fact that in the form of Jesus of Nazareth, God is fully with us on earth. And so that becomes the story for Matthew. Now I find it wonderful that this morning's readings give you the parallel as to why it is Emmanuel, because even within the Gospel text this morning, you hear from Isaiah about what his name is to be and who is to conceive the child. What you also have in these two readings is a wonderful contrast between the men who receive the prophecy. You have Ahaz and you have Joseph. Both are part of the same lineage off the house of David, the great emperor of Israel when it was at its height. But you have two very different reactions. In the story from Isaiah this morning, we are in a situation where the southern kingdom, that being Israel, is under potential attack by the Assyrians. The northern kingdom, Judah, is already about to fall. And so Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, ask the Lord for a sign. And basically he will show you how to defeat the Syrians. But Ahaz has already made up his mind. He has figured out, based on earthly ways, the best way to take care of an enemy is by force. So he has built an alliance between the king of Judah and another kingdom to build a mighty army to take down the Assyrians. He is not interested in God's plan or following what the messenger has to say to him. So in essence, he says, no, I'm not interested in this sign. I'm not going to ask God for direction. This is how we're going to do it because this is what works on earth. Contrast that reaction to Joseph's reaction. Matthew tells us that Joseph, like any other man in his time, when he has discovered that the woman that he is engaged to is with child, that is not his, was going to do what he was supposed to do break off the engagement for infidelity now of course the gospel gives us this nice line that he was a righteous man and he was going to do it quietly because had he brought attention onto mary's pregnancy she would have been held for the crime of adultery and stoning back then was the penalty. So out of love for her, he was going to be quiet about it and just kind of send her off to someplace else where she could have the child and live without the disgrace and the stigma that would be brought upon her within her hometown. But then he has the dream in which Gabriel speaks to him. She explains what's going on, but even more so. She says, here is the sign, this is... God's child, and basically asks him to be the earthly father to that child. Joseph could have said no. He could have told her just what King Ahaz said to the Isaiah. That's not the way it's done here on earth. This angel. We do it the other way. But he listened. And there is a contrast in the results. Because Ahaz refuses to listen to God, the kingdom of Israel falls to Assyria. And the kingdom is destroyed. Joseph chooses to follow the will of God, and his life is blessed not just with a family, but his life is blessed, and so is this world with the arrival of the Savior. Two different responses to the Word of God. One is rejection, one is acceptance. So I was thinking about this, I can't help but look out into the world today and ask this question. In two days' time, we are going to celebrate the arrival of God with us. But as we saw so close to home this week, violence tends to surround us no matter where we look. Again, we had another shooting here for the first time in Rhode Island. Throughout the week, we have heard of ongoing shootings throughout this country. Abduction of children. Each of us carries our own darkness, whether it be knowing of someone who is suffering or our own suffering. And it's very easy to ask the question, is God truly with us? And if that's the case, why isn't God taking care of all these issues? And as we look at these two stories, what it tells us is God is with us. But are we willing to listen? Are we willing to live into the words, thy will be done, as opposed to my will be done? Because one of the gifts God has given us is free will. Right from the beginning of time, the power to listen and accept the word of God and God in our hearts or not. Ahab refuses to open his heart and his mind to the will of God and loses his kingdom. Joseph opens his heart to the will of God, and the Savior is brought forth into the world. It's not by accident that the presiding bishop, when talking about the way of love, says the first discipline is to turn, to turn our lives away from facing into the darkness and towards the love of God. And the second discipline is to listen. To listen for the direction of God in our lives through scripture and meditation. We both have to turn to look into the light and we have to listen and follow God's will for us. That's a very hard lesson for each and every one of us to accept. Because we do live within the prayer as we say, thy will be done. We're kind of saying, yeah, but really I like my will better. And if we look around, we see a whole lot of my will is better than your will, God. And we look at the devastation that takes place. I have to say, I learned that what I want to say is the hard way. And it really wasn't anything to do with my life. But as many of you know, before I was ordained, I worked for 10 years in children's protection. And I had to keep asking that question every time a case of infant or child mortality came across my desk. Where are you, God, in these children's suffering? And just before I was about to become a candidate for holy orders, we had a week where there were not one, not two, but four cases of infant deaths within the state of Connecticut, and it was so overwhelming I really had to enter into prayer and say, okay God, I'm beginning to give up here. Maybe this is for naught. But in my prayer when I asked God, where were you when these atrocities were happening? The answer I got was very clear. I was there but they weren't listening. I was there pleading and begging, but they chose not to look at me. They made their decision, and I could not and would not stop them because I could not take free will away. I think that's the hardest lesson of life is that we have a gift of free will and we can use it rightly and wrongly. So often we use it wrongly and face away from the light. This week in Bible study, we discuss the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. And at the end of that chapter, he gives us the most inspiring words. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. The more I meditate on those words the more I come up with the same answer. He's right, nothing can separate us from the love of God. No external principality, no sin, no darkness, but there is a caveat there that he doesn't put in. But we ourselves. Because we choose to allow the love of God into our lives and into our hearts, or to block it. In our collect this morning, Part of our prayer was that we make a mansion in our hearts for the arrival of the Christ child. When we turn to face the light and walk in the way of love, we open our hearts to God and allow God who is with us out here to enter in and be with us in here as well when we open our hearts and listen for the will of God in our lives, then the world can begin to be changed. And our lives can be changed. It's not going to take the suffering and the pain away until the kingdom is fully realized. But it does tell us that life does not have to be the way it is, but the way it can be. And that begins when we like Joseph, choose to heed the words of God, the advice of God, and the direction of God, even when it is counterintuitive to life on this earth today, and follow that path, and not the path of darkness as Ahab did. So this week, may we each, as we prepare for the arrival of the Christ child, clear room in our hearts to allow the love of God to enter in and fill us with his light, amen.